Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Upbeat Live. My name is Árni Ingolson. I'm the Director of Artistic Planning at the Iceland Symphony Orchestra. It's a great pleasure to be here, obviously, at this fantastic festival that the LA Phil has, has put together. We... There you go. We will begin this iteration of Upbeat Live with a performance by Nordic Affect, which is Iceland's leading period instrument ensemble. After they have played their three pieces, I will then come back and tell you a little bit about tonight's program. Um, you may or may not know that Iceland has a very young tradition of the Western classical music tradition. Uh, and for a period ensemble like Nordic Affect, this is actually a big problem because it means there is no Icelandic Baroque music to play. So while they play obviously a lot of European continental Baroque music by German and French and Italian composers, when it comes to Icelandic music, they have extensively commissioned contemporary music from Icelandic and non-Icelandic composers. Uh, and they will be playing three of them here tonight. Uh, the first one is called Rain Damage. It is by an Icelandic composer called Valgeir Seursson, who is here tonight. Uh, it is the title piece of Nordic Affect's most recent CD, uh, which came out on the Sono Luminous label just recently, and I recommend it, obviously, wholeheartedly. Uh, Valgeir Seursson is a composer and recording producer. Uh, he is a longtime collaborator of musicians such as Nico Muli and Björk. Uh, he is the founder of the Bedroom Community label, which is a record label based in Iceland. Uh, and you can hear their artists actually perform here at Disney Hall next Monday evening. So if you have a chance, uh, you should absolutely go to that. Uh, Rain Damage was created for Nordic Affect in 2014, and it was premiered at the Library of Water, which is an installation by the US artist Roni Horn in an Icelandic town called Stikisholmur in, in Western Iceland. Uh, and this installation has 24 columns of water, uh, one from each glacier in Iceland. It's actually a wonderful exhibit, and Nordic Affect has given concerts there, and, and this piece was uh, written for their concert in that space. The second piece is called Shades of Silence. It is by Anna Thorvaldsdóttir, who has recently become sort of the, the superstar of young Icelandic classical composers. She is the Kravis emerging composer at the New York Philharmonic now. She is writing a piece for them that Esa Pekasalonen will conduct with the New York Phil next season. Um, if you were here last night, you will have heard the LA Phil perform her orchestra piece, A Reality. Uh, she calls this piece, Shades of Silence, quote, an inwards and outwards escape to the subtle nuances of silence. The third piece is called Thieth, and it is by Ulver Hansson, who's probably the youngest composer that is being performed, or one of the youngest that is being performed at this festival, uh, recently graduated from the Iceland Academy of the Arts. And the title refers to an Icelandic description of weather. We love talking about weather, by the way. Uh, and this one translates as favorable, soft, or gentle. Uh, not a frequent occurrence in Iceland, but we have a name for it nonetheless. Uh, and again, this uh, word, thief, the title of the piece, is, is part of Roni Horn's uh, Library of Water 
installation. So that also has a connection with that. So, uh, oh, I should also mention that this last piece, uh, they will, of course, be playing on their instruments, but there will be other things beside, and you have a big surprise in store. I won't tell you what it is, but just hold on. Uh, so please give a warm welcome to Nordic Affect. Thank you. 
So, now for the surprise. Um, Artne mentioned that uh, Rain Damage and Seeth uh, were premiered at the Library of Water in Iceland. And we sort of, it, it loomed at the back of our head when we went into the studio to record the Rain Damage album. So the album was in a way um, an exploration of the studio environment. And once you have done something like that, worked on such an integrated collaborative level, and the, used the possibilities of the studio, we really pushed, we put the studio as sort of the top agent, you start questioning what happens in the live performance. You know, it, it becomes like a bigger contrast in one's mind. And so what we decided to do with Thief on the album, we are really, our voices are layered uh, to such an extent that we can't do that live. So we decided to ask you to join us and thus create a layer. So, like one sounding environment. So um, I hope you're up for it. So it means that we are going to split you up into three teams. We are, we are going to be droning together for eight minutes. So I think it's better if, if you can, you know, stand up. It's good for the breathing. So, yay. So that's step one. <laughs> Success. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, bum, 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 bum. Of course, if, if you're not afraid of... If some people aren't afraid of losing their chairs or anything, it would be nice to have a few people coming up here um, to like to be even closer. Do you do you dare to come a bit closer? Yeah. And then we'll see. You know, if somebody takes your chair while you're doing this, well, shame on them. So, so let's see. Um, if we if if you are my team and we split sort of. Uh, the blue chair sort of in the middle. You can decide on which side you are. Um, yeah. And then from there on, and I think the back, uh, the back chairs, you will be the cello team. If you have the possibility of coming even closer to help her, mm -hmm. that would be great. And you the are the viola team. Yeah. The so, the yellow. Um, and so we're going to... So you are going to be seeing this note with me. So let's try it. Sounds good. And your yes. note is Where's my team? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're singing here. the viola yeah and so let's put it together <clears throat> beautiful and so you're just gonna you're you're gonna drone on mm the whole time and just like you know enjoy listening to the person next to you try not to lose the pitch and we will be doing some stuff that might, you know, that might throw you a little bit off, but hang in there. And we will be changing to some other sounds. So, but don't, never mind. Just, so, 
I, I reckon, do we need to tune or refine? Yes. All right. So we are going to just start the drone again, and then we are just going to go off, and we'll see you at the end. OK. <laughs> OK. So.
You can, you can all go back to your seats now. I won't make you sing anymore. <laughs> now, before I talk briefly about tonight's program, maybe it's, it's useful to briefly mention uh, sort of what, what is Icelandic music? What is the Icelandic music scene like? And why is it, I get asked this question a lot, why is it that Icelandic music has become such a big thing all of a sudden? Um, I don't have an answer. I hope it's because the music is good. Um, other than that, I can say, since Iceland has such a short tradition of, of Western classical music, maybe that gives composers and musicians some sense of freedom that musicians in other countries don't have, that they're not burdened by their own history in, in what they do. Um, also, the, the small size of the Icelandic population, that everyone knows everyone else. Iceland is a large country geographically, uh, about 40,000 square miles, which is the size of Portugal or the size of the state of Indiana. But it's a very small population. It's 330,000 people. So Anaheim, California, in the, in the state of Indiana or the country of Portugal. Um, and this means that everyone knows everyone else. There's a lot of easy accessibility. Everyone is taking part in each other's projects. Uh, and there's a sort of uh, flow between genres, for example, that is very typical of, of the Icelandic musical scene. 
people are writing poetry and they're in a rock band, but they're also playing classical violin, etc., etc., etc. Also, the geographical situation that Iceland is situated roughly midway between America and Europe. Uh, this means that when people go abroad to study, for example, and most musicians in Iceland do, they study in Iceland, but then they go abroad and return back. Uh, there's a sense of influences coming from various places uh, and then joining together uh, there again. Um, also, Iceland, like the other Nordic countries, has, a, uh, str has strong state support for the arts and for music education. Uh, and I think that can sort of be put in a historical perspective because Iceland is a very young state. It's a very young nation. Uh, it received independence in 1944 uh, from Denmark. It was a Danish colony for centuries. Uh, and as soon as Iceland became independent, there was this notion that any culture, that uh, any nation that wants to be independent needs to have its own culture. It must preserve it. It must uh, sort of legitimize itself through its culture. Uh, and this leads to, as I said, strong state support. Uh, there's a network of music schools all around the island, uh, and I think that has an effect as well on, on the, the Icelandic musical scene. Then, of course, there's a question of a, a lot of musicians, uh, when they get asked this question of why is, why is this uh, Icelandic music scene all of a sudden so, so special, and why does everyone in Iceland seem to be so creative? Uh, people often mention that the winters in Iceland are very long and very cold and very dark, and you're inside for a long time and you need to have something to do. Um, obviously, in today's day and age, uh, there are plenty of things to do that don't involve being creative, right? Um, but to an extent, I think maybe we just have this in our DNA because I honestly don't quite understand how people survived in Iceland for all these centuries in, in that climate. And uh, I think maybe, uh, I mean, clearly we see it in our history that uh, people were drawn to telling stories, writing literature, uh, singing songs. And I think maybe that has sort of carried somehow on into our culture in the present day. Uh, and then, of course, there's the question of landscape. Uh, a lot of people writing about Icelandic music turn to these images of, you know, this, the, the vast landscape, the unbroken tundra, the, the glaciers, the volcanoes. Uh, maybe to some extent you can hear that in the music. Uh, what I would say is a characteristic of much, not all of Icelandic music obviously, but much of the music that's being done today. Uh, is what could be described almost technically as slowness of process. That there's a, there's a sort of uh, expansive sense of how it unfolds in time. And if you choose to hear that as somehow reflecting the Icelandic landscape, then obviously that is, is just fine. Uh, now about tonight's program, we start with four choral pieces performed by Skola Kantorum, which is the chamber choir of Hathgrimskirkja in Reykjavik. It is the largest church in Iceland. It has a beautiful acoustic. And they will sing four pieces. They were going to sing five. You have five printed in your program. But this is going to be a long evening. And so they decided to cut the first one. Uh, so they will, they will start with the Requiem by Jón Leifs, which I will talk about more in a, in a minute. Then they will sing a folk song arrangement uh, Stolem Tue Ituni, 
the text is from one of the medieval Icelandic sagas. It's a, a love story. It's a love affair gone wrong, and the man is is saying how he sort of wishes he had never met this this woman that that betrayed him. Uh, this is probably one of the very oldest Icelandic folk songs to have survived. Uh, it very well may go back to the Middle Ages. Then we will hear a very lively religious piece by Bára Grímsdóttir, who is a folk musician in Iceland. Uh, and this piece is written to a sacred poem that probably was written around 1500. So a very old text, but a new composition. And then we have a world premiere of a new piece by Hüye Guðmundsson who is an Icelandic composer active in Denmark. He has written, recently written a very interesting opera called Hamlet in Absentia, uh, which was premiered last year at the Kronborg Castle at Elsinore in Denmark. So in Hamlet's castle, as it is commonly called, uh, it, was, it was given its first performance. Um, then we move on to two orchestral works performed by the LA Philharmonic uh, with Isabeka Salonen conducting. The first one is called Equora uh, by Maria Hult Markan Sifustotir. She is a classically trained violinist and composer. She's a member of the Amina group, which played here last Friday. Uh, and we have already heard some of her works at this festival. Uh, Nordic Affect performed two of her works on Thursday evening. Uh, the, the title, Equora, means calm or smooth surface. And this is indeed a piece that is very atmospheric and calm. It's sort of a few slow build-ups of dynamic, and then it calms down again. It's very beautifully done. And then we have an organ concerto by Jón Leifs, who was an Icelandic composer active in the first half of the 20th century. He was born in 1899, died in 1968. This festival is not intended to be a historical uh, survey of Icelandic music. Most of the music that has been performed here is music that you would be likely to hear currently if you were visiting Reykjavik, sort of trying to, to hear the latest music that is going on there today. Uh, but it is almost impossible to give a festival like this and not include music by Jón Leifs because he is such an important figure in Icelandic music history. Uh, he was really the first serious Icelandic composer of symphonic music. Uh, he studied piano as a boy in Reykjavik, and when he was 17 years old, he decided that he wanted to be a pianist and a conductor, and went to Leipzig, Germany, in the middle of World War I, to study at the conservatory there. Uh, he later decided that, in fact, he was going to be a composer and traveled around Iceland. He's sort of, in a way, like the Icelandic Bartók. Uh, he traveled around Iceland recording folk songs and using them to create his own very special and unique style of Icelandic music. He married... Uh, one of his fellow students at the Leip Leipzig Conservatory, a pianist called Anni Rithoff, who was of Jewish descent, they decided to stay put in Germany, actually, uh, almost throughout World War II. It's kind of amazing that they were able to survive there for that long. Uh, the reason probably was that they had Icelandic passports, and as much as the Nazis hated Jews, they usually left people alone if they were citizens of, 
other countries, uh, and that seems to have, have helped them. Um, but this organ concerto has a very interesting reception history in Nazi Germany. It was performed there uh, first in 1935 and again in 1941. It was performed at a concert in Berlin that was actually the scandal of the season. And if you were a composer in Nazi Germany, especially if you had a Jewish wife, you did not want to be responsible for the scandal of the season. Um, and basically everyone walked out of the piece uh, during the performance and that was the last that was heard of, of Leif's music in Nazi Germany. Uh, there's a slight confusion actually in your program notes, a very fine program notes, but uh, uh, it says there that Leif's himself played the organ at that performance. He actually did not. Uh, it was a German organist, but Leif's was conducting. Uh, he got the phone call two days before the concert that he was supposed to conduct uh, because the man who was supposed to conduct it uh, said he wouldn't do it. He probably suspected that this would become a huge scandal and that he would just be better off washing his hands completely of the whole affair. So Leifs gets a phone call two days before the performance saying he needs to come into Berlin and conduct the piece, which the Berlin Philharmonic no less was playing. So, you know, no pressure. Uh, and as I said, this was, this was quite a scandal. And the reason is actually quite obvious because it is an absolutely crazy piece. It is very dissonant. And you will hear this. I'm not going to play you an example because I want it to be a surprise. The first chord is really quite, quite spectacular. Uh, he tries to use sort of as much dissonance as possible in, in some places uh, in this piece. Uh, if you know what diminished seventh chords are, if you've taken music theory, uh, he takes two of these and sort of makes them into a cluster, and it's, it's quite nasty, but also very effective. Um, <laughs> most of the piece is a passacaglia, which is a Baroque form of sort of variations over a bass theme, uh, and the passacaglia theme itself is sort of like a theme by Bach, but with some wrong notes thrown in. Um, and then he writes some variations that have sort of originally composed material that is supposed to sound like Icelandic folk songs. So you have this huge amount of dissonance, you have essentially a Baroque form, and you have Icelandic folk music. And it's this, you have never heard anything like this, I promise. Uh, and it's, it's quite a crazy piece and almost impossible to play for the organist. Jamie McVinney is doing a fantastic job of, of performing this. Um, Leif's, after, after he and his family, his wife and his two daughters, were allowed to leave Nazi Germany in 1944, they moved to Sweden. And then Leif's, in 1945, after the war, when again you were able to travel to Iceland, uh, he moved back there. Uh, he divorced his wife, and his wife and two daughters remained in Sweden. Two years later, his younger daughter drowned. She was swimming off the coast of Sweden, and, and she drowned. They found her body a week later. And this, of course, was the big tragedy of, of Leif's life. And in his daughter's memory, he composed a piece for choir called Requiem. And this will be the first piece that we hear tonight at the pro on the program. Uh, it is an absolutely stunningly beautiful piece and very, very different from the organ concerto. It could not be more different uh, because it is so simple. It is essentially a contemplation on 
the note A. It moves between A major and A minor in an almost sort of minimalistic way. Even though this piece is written in 1947, it, it uses very minimal material, but to great effect. It is not, as you might think, a traditional setting of the Latin Requiem text. Uh, it is, in fact, a setting of an Icelandic poem that you have on your insert. It is a poem that speaks of nature and how everything in nature has fallen asleep. Uh, the flowers, the animals, and then the poet addresses his, his daughter and says, you, my beloved, you should also sleep now. It is a completely heartbreaking piece and one of Leif's most beautiful compositions. And it's very nice that we have these two extremely different works by one of Iceland's most important composers uh, sharing this program. At the end, of course, we have Sigurós with uh, eight songs accompanied by the LA Philharmonic and then a whole set on their own uh, with, with new arrangements by, by wonderful composers, both from the US and Iceland. Um, and so that, that will conclude tonight's concert. I will also say, just since we're sort of ending, nearing the end of the Reykjavik Festival, uh, how incredible it has been to, to be part of it and witness the, the energy and the enthusiasm of the LA Philharmonic and their, their staff. Uh, and to invite all of you to Iceland in October when the Iceland Symphony Orchestra will reciprocate the Reykjavik Festival with an LA festival in Reykjavik. Uh, we will perform music by John Adams, uh, by Stravinsky, by uh, Andrew Norman. We will have the Calder Quartet coming over, uh, Esa Pekasalonen, etc., etc. Uh, this will be the first two weeks of October, and you're all very welcome to, to join us there. Having said that, thank you for coming. I hope you enjoy tonight's concert. <laughs>